Well, Happy New Year. If we turn to Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read the first 11 verses. This is my text, so keep your hand here. We'll be coming back. And as I read it, I will remind you that this is the Word of God. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raises Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give to your mortal bodies, give life to your mortal bodies, through his spirit who dwells in you. Let's pray. Father, such good news in this passage. Good news to start it off a new year. To be a Christian is to have the Holy Spirit. Because we have the Holy Spirit, we walk in the Spirit. We experience life in the Spirit. The passage says that if you don't have the Spirit, you're not a Christian. If you do have the Spirit, you are a Christian. We're, there's no second-class Christians. There's nobody waiting for a second blessing. There's, there's nobody waiting to get more of the Spirit. Either you have the Spirit or you don't. Either you're in the flesh or you're in the Spirit. If you're in, if you're in Christ, it's because the Spirit is in you. If you're not in Christ, you don't have the Spirit. So we thank you for the Holy Spirit that has brought us to life. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that indwells us, gives us victory, that, that uh, empowers us to, to walk in the Spirit and to um, walk in the new life that Christ has provided. Sin no longer holds power over us. We have been set free from the law of sin and from death. In a little bit, we're going to commemorate that by taking communion that Christ was the sacrifice for sin. There's no better way to start off a new year than reminding ourselves that Christ was the sacrifice for our sin. That his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us, and he's raised, to, raised us to walk in newness of life. So we thank you this morning for the, the word of God. We pray that you would help us to understand it. We pray that you would allow 
the truth of the Word of God to permeate our minds, our hearts, our souls, I pray. Amen. Less than one month ago, in December of 2022, two men in Georgia who spent over 25 years in prison on murder convictions were exonerated after new evidence proved their innocence. This is thanks to the Georgia Innocence Project. Darrell Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were arrested when they were 17 years old for their involvement in the death of 15-year-old Brian Bowling in 1996. Bowling uh, reportedly died from a gunshot wound to the head in his family's home while playing a game of Russian roulette with a gun brought over by Story. After a witness testified that she had overheard Clark and Story say they were planning on murdering the victim, they were charged with homicide and found guilty. However, an investigation by True, uh, by True Crime podcasters revealed that the witness had lied to the police, leading to uh, Clark and Story being released from prison. It would be wrong to say that they were pardoned because they were never guilty. We, however, are guilty, proven guilty, judged guilty, and pardoned by grace. It's a new year. Does God have a new message for us? No. He has the same message. Jesus Christ died for sinners, of whom I am chief. It's the gospel message. As we celebrate communion this morning, I just wanted to remind us of the glory of the gospel. I saw recently that President Biden was going to pardon some people at the end of the year. When you're pardoned, it doesn't mean that you didn't do it. It doesn't mean that you weren't guilty or you've been falsely accused. When you're pardoned, you're forgiven. Yes, you did the crime, you did some of the time, but you have been pardoned. That is the gospel message. Let me explain. The book of Romans lays it out pretty clearly, I think. Uh, first of all, it delivers the verdict. The verdict. What is our verdict? Condemnation. Condemnation. If you were to read... Uh, the book of Romans, and you read Romans 1, 2, and 3, this is the message you would get, that we are condemned because of our sin. God has spoken. We are broken by sin. Our sin has broken our relationship with a holy God. He created us for communion. He created us uh, to, to fellowship with Him. But man chose sin over God. We are condemned because of this sin. The, righteous, the unrighteous are guilty. Look at Romans chapter 1. The unrighteous are guilty. Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Look at verse 28. 
And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, having filled, uh, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, uh, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they knew the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty, hearty approval to those who practice them. The unrighteous are guilty. Now, you, the, the list I just read, you'll find yourself on there somewhere. But you may think, well, yes, but that, that list, that, that's, that's, that's horrible. That's not me. Well, then, I got some more bad news for you. The self-righteous are guilty. The self-righteous are guilty. So in chapter Romans chapter 1, the verdict is that the unrighteous are guilty. In chapter 2, it's the self-righteous are guilty. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment, for that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. So you looked at that list at Romans chapter 1 and you said, well, I, that's, those, some of those things are horrible. That, that, that's not me. You're, according to Romans chapter 2, you're self-righteous. You who judge others are guilty yourself. Look at chapter 2, verse 17. But if you, but if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast of God, now... Uh, in chapter 1, he was dealing with um, Gentiles, if you will, non-Jewish people. In chapter 2, he deals with the Jewish people. But if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the, uh, the law and boast in God, and you know his will and approve the things that are essential, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of foolish a teacher of immature, having the law, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge uh, and of truth, you therefore who teach another, do you not uh, teach yourself? You who preach that one should not steal, do you do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the uh, boast in the law, though. You, through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? The self-righteous are guilty. You say, well, I, I've, I've never robbed a bank. Well, have you ever fudged on your taxes? Have you ever stolen time from your employer? I've never killed anybody. But Jesus said, if you hate somebody, you're the same as a murderer. Well, I've, never, I've never cheated on my mate, but Jesus said, if you lust in your heart, it's adultery. Not only are the unrighteous guilty, the self-righteous are guilty. That's the lesson from, that's the verdict from chapter 2. We move to chapter 3, we find out all are guilty. All are guilty. Look at chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? 
Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jew and Greek are all under sin. All are under sin, it says. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, uh, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God and have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the paths of peace they, uh, the paths of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Look at verse 23. For all have what? Sinned. This is the witness's testimony about you, about me, about us. For all have sinned. The verdict has been delivered. We're condemned because of sin. And the measurement, by the way, verse 23, if you'll notice, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, what we like to do in our human nature, we like to find somebody worse than us and compare ourselves to them. Right? Well, certainly I'm better than that guy. That's, that's, that'd be true, but that guy's not the standard. What's the standard? The glory of God. The holiness of God. The righteousness of God. Where do you rate with, using that standard? For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. The verdict has been rendered. Condemnation. We are guilty. The witness testimony is, is um, very clear. Jew, Gentile, humanity, all under sin. So what's the sentence? What's going to happen? Well, that takes us to our text, Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's the sentence. No condemnation. Wait a minute. I've heard the witness testimony. We're all guilty. It, it, the list of our sins is clear. We are all guilty. We are, we're waiting for our sentence. And here it comes. No condemnation. The plot twists. How, how do you go from, yes, you should be condemned, to no, you're not? Now, remember the story of Daryl Lee Clark. This is not that story. This is not witnesses, uh, witness changes his story, frees innocent man. I mean, thank, thank the good Lord for the uh, uh, Georgia Innocence Project and for these true crime podcasters who uncovered that the witnesses had lied. But that's not our story. The witnesses doesn't lie about us. This is not witness changes story, freezes an innocent man. God's verdict of our sin has not changed. This is witness confirms person's guilt 
and yet he goes free anyway. That's our story. That's my story. That's your story. The witness confirms your guilt. You're proven guilty, but you're pardoned by grace. You're forgiven. We heard the testimony, chapters, Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. God has spoken. All have sinned. Well, how do I go from Romans chapter 3 to Romans chapter 8? How do we get there? How do I go from, from proven guilty to pardoned by grace? What is the process? The process is called justification. It's a good theological word. Justification. And we read about that process in Romans chapter 4 and 5, which we're not going to spend much time doing. But you, you see the process of how we go from guilty before God to pardoned by grace. It's called justification. Now we learn, you know, those of you who grew up as I did in church and Sunday school, uh, since I was a a kid, um, you learned this little definition. It's not perfect, but it, it works, right? Justification. What's it mean? Just as if I'd never sinned. Just as, if I've, just as if I've never sinned. That's justification. I have sinned. The testimony's pretty clear. I have sinned, but I've been justified. What's it mean? Well, look at Romans chapter 4, verse 5. I've, I've mentioned before, Romans 4, 5, this is like the centerpiece of uh, redemption. It's the message of the Old Testament and the message of the New Testament. It is the gospel. It sparked a reformation. This is it. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies who? The ungodly. His faith is credited as righteousness. There's only one requirement for, to be justified. You've got to be ungodly. That's it. If you're not ungodly, if you think you're, if you think you're, not God, you're ungodly, if you don't think you're ungodly, if you think you know, that, you're, that you're righteous, you're not a candidate. <laughs> because it's very clear, verse 5, but to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Look at verse 22. Romans 4, 22. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Not, uh, now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him as righteousness. This is Abraham. This is referring to the Old Testament. But for your sake also, to whom it will be credited... As those who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, he who, has delivered over, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Christ, here's what, here, here's, here's what it means. Christ died for your sin. He, he took the punishment. He paid the price. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not works of righteousness that I have done, but faith in Christ. Chapter uh, 5 or 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the who? Ungodly. Again, if you're convinced you're godly, I have nothing to say to you. You don't need to take this if you think you're godly. But Christ died for the ungodly. For the ungodly. For, for one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, having now been justified by his blood, shall we be saved from the wrath of God through him? For if while we were, sin, uh, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Verse 19. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, that's Adam, even so through the obedience of one, that's Christ, the many will be made righteous. The process that gets us from condemnation to no condemnation, that gets us from Romans 3 to Romans 8, is justification. What is that? The forgiveness of sin plus the imputation of righteousness equals justification. It's, it's two sides of the same coin. Our sins are forgiven, but if that was the end of it, that just kind of makes us neutral. But we have Christ's righteousness. It's not just the absence of my sin, it's the righteousness of, of Christ. Philippians 3.9 And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. It's not works, it's faith. It's not the law, it's grace. Imputation is, again, another word, a theological word that we don't usually use in, in common language. Imputation means that God regards Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. His, there was a great exchange on the cross. My sin, Christ took. His righteousness, I got. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We're going to take... Communion, the Lord's Supper. You do not have to be a member of our congregation. Uh, you are, it's the Lord's table. Um, communion commemorates this imputation. It, it, it recalls to our minds this justification. This is Christ's body broken for us. This is Christ's blood shed for us.